Science. Hello and welcome to Probably Science. My name is Andy Wood. Oh, I'm Matt Kirshen. That's you over there. Yeah, that is me. I didn't. I didn't know it. I, we should have worked this out by now. We're many, many hundreds of episodes in. I love that you're wearing a <laughs> circa 2014 ridiculousness hoodie. I am. I yeah. Lost mine. This is my this is my office hoodie. I, it was chilly today, so I was wearing it, and now I'm still wearing it in your substantially warmer apartment. Do people tend to, when you're wearing that, send you unsolicited videos of uh, Russian people on top of radio towers doing handstands? <laughs> they do. Yeah. And the, yeah, they'll they'll sometimes send me like their nephew like humorously falling off uh, a skateboard, and I'll be like, no, that won't do because it there's there isn't the risk of someone having died in yeah. that clip. <laughs> so little ridiculousness fact: the stuff that ended up on the air, no one died, but the stuff that the researchers would send us on a daily basis, almost certainly people they, you would like stop sending us Russian stuff. We've talked about this on the show before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not racist, <laughs> I don't think, to say that Russian home videos. Uh... Russian? No, I don't think that's racist in the slightest. Like very, very frequently, there was stuff with Russian characters or or containing Russian characters. Uh-huh. Uh, and you'd look at the video and go like, oh, yeah, that. That's not a building just fell on a man. That's not like a f- It's not funny and it's not yeah. It's I can't imagine for MTV. Yeah, I can't imagine Rob Deerdeck and his companions finding the humorous side of this. Finding a way to call that guy a donkey for yeah. some reason. Wasn't that his go-to insult? <laughs> just calling people who do dumb things donkeys. So yeah, I'm wearing this cuz I cuz it is a different color to the hoodies that we got for working on the show. So yeah, I I'm do. Not, I always get a little bit sad when I lose a piece of, uh, I mean, not merch. What would you call a thing like that? Like, I've, I've lost some swag. water bottles. This is swag. Yeah, yeah. Swag from past projects. Because, yeah, you want to start the conversation. Like, why is that guy doing a scorpion on the front of your shirt? <laughs> Does yeah. a person know what a scorpion so, is? Well, I, I, like, I like swag from a show that isn't too obvious either. It doesn't have the name over. Because this, this city's full of people parading their... Their satin crew jacket from uh, yeah. Oh, cocktail. well done! You walked on season one of Billions or whatever. <laughs> yeah, again, you need everyone to know that. <laughs> hey, we've got a guest, and it's a sciencey guest, yeah. or a, a comedy and sciencey guest. Both a rare crossover. Is by the way, is my, my the sound I just heard is like crackly? Is that the headphones or the mic? I'm guessing it's the. Uh, did I just sound weird at all to you, or did no? I, sound, I think it's okay. Then it's the, it's the headphones. The headphones that we shouldn't admit to our listeners are still so cheap, considering how generous they are to us. But uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know. You like the Kobe brand once Kobe. meant something. <laughs> I know. <laughs> brand dilution. It's John Ozelay. Hey, He's here with us. Yeah. Also wearing Kobe brand headphones. <laughs> Are <laughs> they actually Kobe Bryant brand? Is no, no, oh, no. You don't know what Kobe is? No. It's like um, it sort of looks a bit like Sony. Did you ever see that episode of The Simpsons oh. when they were in in like his? Here's the logo right there. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, they were in so some, some like knockoff. Yeah, they were in some knockoff electronic store, and Homer Simpson was like, "Look, they have all the top brands." Uh, Pentaphonics, Magnet Box, oh, yeah. Sorty. Yeah, it's basically, Kobe has the Sony font, but it's C-O-B-Y. That's great. They're not expensive, but you can hear sounds through them. I yeah, think. I, I think they're great. For now, they work. All right, so this has been, like, for a long time, We, I don't know how we haven't had you on the show before now, because you are one of the rare <laughs> this other is a crossover comedy, comedy science people. Comedy science podcast, I have one of the few comedy science background so, so people. So let's, let's go through this. Well, let's get everyone up to speed. What is your background? I uh, have a PhD in neuroscience from Boston University. 
uh, and I studied addiction and in behavioral, like learning and memory within a addiction paradigm with rats. Nice. <laughs> what sort of things did they have to learn and memorize? Oh, so it's really they had to learn to get off of cocaine because we oh. would give rats cocaine and then uh, we'd we'd rehab them. Okay. We'd try to we try to better their lives after we <laughs> ruined them with drugs. Um, so yeah, it, it was really just to teach them or not teach that we weren't like happening a lesson plan together for these rats or anything like that, yeah. but they would be in a classic operant box, a Skinner box, you know, like press a lever and get some cocaine. They'd be self-administering, <laughs> you know, you're classic. That was where you go. Everyone knows right. that's where they yeah. get their cocaine. I did that for my high school science fair. Some yeah. people know a guy, some people have a lever. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. Press a little button push down gets to get a little infusion of cocaine in yeah, your how, how was it administered oh just it, IV. so yeah it was uh yeah it was iv we'd put a catheter implanted in their in their vein and they could uh be pumped cocaine through a syringe and how instantaneous i mean i guess can you do you have a way of telling when they can feel the... they can t- feel it immediately okay yeah like you can you can kind of see them like do a little shiver like ooh, ah. yeah. like like the like the a cartoonish way that like every person in a movie does a line of cocaine and goes uh, and like yeah. lifts their head up. It's, it's kind of the same effect with the rats. But Do they sometimes like rub it on their gums and go, it's good. <laughs> Always using their tongue, tongues or whatever. There this was, stuff's pure. Yeah. The they only uh, other reaction other than just kind of like a little shiver of uh, when it gets in their uh, bloodstream is like if they would take a little bit too much for their, um, you know, themselves to handle, they would not like they weren't overdosing, you know, like life-threatening way but occasionally they would have a little bit of a seizure uh-huh. and then uh ejaculate no yeah so you guys were getting the good stuff yeah oh no this is pure <laughs> pure stuff uh and so it, they actually would get the cocaine from like a very uh, like a government lab because it's you know supply it was a right. it was a legit operation we weren't getting it off the street stepped on stuff that is the highest schedule right of any yeah. drug schedule one like, is that is that what it is? Yeah, like, well, asking not telling. Something. I think Schedule One is like the one where it's. Or actually, I don't know if cocaine would be a Schedule One drug because like it, it has like no. I think Schedule One is like a drug that's addictive and harmful and doesn't have any medical purpose. Okay, but I think because cocaine, could, you could use it as a local anesthetic. Right, I guess that's what it was used for initially, right? Yeah, I yeah. Think, or in the whenever it was discovered mm-hmm. well, it's yeah. stimulant I'm and whatever coke history, I think, yeah using but, things like dentistry because it makes you sense could numb your gums. gums yeah and then you then you had a bet much better relationship with your dentist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys would make a lot of plans you never follow through on. <laughs> i want to floss every day five times a day <laughs> i got it what a uber what? for flossing we're gonna do this we're gonna start this tomorrow we're gonna make america floss <laughs> i'm telling you i know people and i'm gonna talk to people and we will get so much floss in every school every school you are out to see if anyone's registered yet we can do this we can make this happen tomorrow <laughs> Uh, this has been a cocaine drama hour. Um, so, so I thought the schedule one meant that you couldn't even get it to do s- testing in a scientific. Oh, context. there's yeah, or, there, they had to be interlocking key and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I didn't have access to the main supply of, of cocaine that was like in a, in a safe in my advisor's office. And then there was other like little allotments. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, like and all the other drugs like we'd use for anesthesia and stuff for the rats when we'd do all yeah. the, the surgery on them and everything. That that was all 
lock, under lock and key and all this stuff. So yeah, there was a bunch of stuff. I never, weirdly, never got drug tested before I oh, started this wow. lab. You would think that would be the first thing. Yeah, <laughs> like it, in the cocaine laboratory? Sure. <laughs> maybe maybe throw a little blood to uh, make sure this person's not to right. use it. So um, what kind of stuff did you find out about how, how to get rats to quit? I'm sorry, rats or mice? Was it, it was rats. Rats. Rats, which quit, are a little bigger and smarter. By the way, I, I wonder how much overlap your research had with Christina, our drug researcher friend. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, the Rat City thing. I was going to ask about that. but um, No, because yeah. our friend who we bumped into at last year's Science March, who's now writes in sometimes when we have a drug story that uh-huh. we need help on, mm-hmm. her research is specifically cocaine addiction. Interesting. I wonder if she does rat stuff as well. I wonder... Christina, right back, right back. If you've ever made a rat come <laughs> with the good stuff, yeah. I didn't know that was a possible thing cocaine could do. I mean, is that? Uh... Oh, I don't think it can happen in humans. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> you're chasing that dragon. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just, like, I'm not a big drug guy, but I could, like, uh, yeah. I, I could be. Uh... It's good, and I I need to walk this way for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I think typically cocaine has a very adverse effect on your dick. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised by that. So, so what kind of findings did you? Oh, so, yeah. So, like the, they would um, administer self-administer cocaine in a specific context. So they would see like a light flash when they got cocaine, and they'd hear a sound like we'd pipe in through little speakers. And Wait, as in, they knew the lever was now active once the light goes off. Yeah, like as in, like it. I'm getting co- like I see the light go off when I press a lever. That means I'm getting cocaine. Okay. Whee! So it's it's kind of a uh, training them to associate certain things in their environment with cocaine and then because one of the problems with like treating cocaine addiction is like someone will get triggered by something they see and they'll like have this craving and then that will cause them to relapse yeah so it's the what we did is kind of a behavioral therapy where we would get them off cocaine like give them two weeks of abstinence or whatever where Mm -hmm. they just weren't getting any cocaine then we put them back in the same context where they used to get cocaine but they, they wouldn't be available or whatever. So it was kind of exposing them to that so it would be less triggering. And we would see what kind of brain regions were required to learn to like no longer associate certain cues and contexts with the drug. Because you were, at the same time, monitoring their <clears throat> brains as well as you Oh, it's just, you just monitor their behavior. So like, they're, oh. like they would learn... Like You'd notice like from you know day one to day two, they would decrease their... Um, behavior by a certain amount they would press the lever less for it they'd seek less oh and also yeah we would also knock out certain parts of their brain and if they couldn't um and if they kept like seeking the drug no matter what mm-hmm. never so dissociating the cues in the context with the cocaine that's why you knew that, that like they weren't able to learn to dissociate it so you're saying they would come back in the cage after two weeks of nothing at all and they mm-hmm. would have a lever they can push that makes the light go off but no cocaine comes out exactly and you wait to see how long until they stop even bothering with the lever because mm-hmm. they know it doesn't Work. Yeah, and then we, you know, see which parts of the brains were were required required to like actually get them to learn to stop seeking cocaine. Okay. Yeah. And did this have any connection to? Was it called just Rat City that the Johan Hari story? Rat Park. Rat Park. Yes. Yeah. The, so what's... so it was not connected to that in my specific experiment. We yeah. did do a similar thing with another experiment in our lab. So. uh Rat Park is referring to a classic experiment showing that rats are less likely to seek out cocaine and it has less effect on them if they have a full life, as in like they are able to interact with other rats. Yeah. They have toys, they have exercise, they have a wheel and stuff like that. So all these natural highs they're getting make them crave in drugs less. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's so, such like a, more drug issues in places with you know depressed economics, 
areas in, in America and all right. that stuff, inner cities, sometimes rural areas where there's no jobs or nothing to do and all this stuff. So they're just bored and lonely and do, yeah. and do drugs. And, but could these rats, before you get them in the part of this experiment, we're trying to we- wean them off the coke, could they actually do it enough that they would kill themselves or you cut it off at a certain point? We, yeah, we put limits on the amount of cocaine they could do. Yeah. They, they probably would overdose some of them like they, they're also a specific strain of rat that is bred to really like cocaine <laughs> <laughs> where they also like really insist that they can handle it and yeah, cool. yeah it's cool it's man like, it's know, cool come on come on I, I, you know me <laughs> we see each other every day i do it all the time <laughs> i'm just picturing like the most 80s like skinny tied uh uh-huh. oh sure <laughs> and like they i did notice like once rats like you, they turn into more bigger assholes like <laughs> you get each along, other no to like you like you're really? they, they are like more aggressive and they're a little bit less friendly oh um interesting yeah they're little they're little monsters but that's the trouble with coke rats is they're like at first they're fun you get yeah, the yeah. fun rat but then yeah, it, like yeah. it stops being so much fun and then it just yeah. becomes serious tragic yeah it's horrible. i like their rat, the rats co-rats early stuff is do you know how similar is the addiction pathway of something like coke to say opiates mm. is it is it a similar addiction pathway or is it s- well so they you both work on uh like ultimately similar parts of the brain but it's a different mechanism of getting there so cocaine is is boosting dopamine by like blocking the reuptake of dopamine in your synapses. Mm-hmm. I don't think opiates necessarily work the same way, but they still ultimately put a bunch of dopamine in your nucleus accumbens, your pleasure centers that like give you some some, some sense of well being and stuff. So it's a different mechanism, but most addiction things go through this mesolimbic dopamine pathway. The, the okay. reason I ask is I just read a story today and I just put it in the document about. Because there's, there's a couple of stories I read today. One of them is more um, is topical, so we'll cover that in a second, about using currently illegal drugs to treat certain problems. Mm, uh, right. One of them being depression, but in this case, specifically opiate addiction being treated illegally in America, but legally in Mexico, by or semi-legally at least. Right. By <laughs> Look the other way legally. By Yeah, by Ibogaine, which Ooh. is a type of psychedelic drug. Ibogaine? I-B-O-G-A-I-N-E. Ibogaine. And it it supposedly, it's just a one and done, and it... Oh, just you take a one acute dose and you're done? You you take one dose and it resets a certain part of your brain through whatever psychedelic experience you have. Mm. And it supposedly is effective in alleviating both alleviating withdrawals and curbing addiction the withdrawal part really surprised me because withdrawal i thought was much more of a physical thing yeah like it well it's a it's mental and then hence physical i guess where it's like the um all the all the neurotransmitters that you use when you're you know or you use up kind of and when you're a drug thing they kind of are depleted and like you're just feeling almost the exact opposite feeling right when you're in your hangover sense but it is yeah there, there's you get it. Um, <laughs> Hangovers. We understand. Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, so Ibogaine, along with other hallucinogens such as LSD and psilocybin, which is the magic mushroom active ingredient, mm. are uh, Schedule 1 substances. See, I Americanized it for everyone because it's an American law. Uh, drugs which have no medical application and are not safe for use. That's the definition of them, even under medical supervision. Mm. The drug side effects include hallucinations, of course, but also seizures and, in rare cases, potential fatal cardiac complications 
but there is a growing body of evidence suggesting the FDA's label is not accurate. Essentially, says Dr. Thomas Kingsley Brown, who's an anthropologist and chemist at UC San Diego, it's because of the backlash against the psychedelic 60s. Oh, man. We have those rules. There's, yeah, there's a ton of drug policies, like, governmentally that are backwards just because, like, all these different, like, athletes that have been using opiates to, or, like, anyone, I guess you could say, but, like, if they have pain, they've been pumped through all these painkillers that are much more addicting than, like, marijuana, which is also, like, less potent, but also then less addictive painkiller, and, like, they've used uh, molly for you know, therapeutic sessions and psychology mm-hmm. stuff like that. Where you Wasn't that to... an early, like the earliest use of it or your earliest discovery? <sighs> that was, that was or... certainly used way back when, but I think they're starting to bring it back for like soldiers with PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of treatment. Yeah. It's, it's a uh, bananas the way our government, because it's all politics. Like they, they wanted to like, uh, there was a commission, Nixon commissioned it like to see if we, sh- what marijuana policy should be. And they say like, yeah, it should probably be legal. Really? <laughs> yeah, and like his own commissioner said that, and he felt betrayed, and was like, "Nope, it's more it's illegal now than it's ever been." Hear. And then, yeah. and they have like you know Jeff Sessions type people who's like, "Man, let's, let's get him." And it was used as like a racial proxy oh, sure. law as well. They were like, mm-hmm. "We can't officially have laws that ban that criminalize being black, but mm-hmm. if we pick the thing that these communities use more as." I mean, there used to be laws in New York that, like, you couldn't dance on the side of the street. You know, <laughs> it's just like, I wonder who that was for. Yeah. <laughs> you can't play music out. You can't play a you trumpet really well. The following <laughs> seasonings are banned. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And ever since LA's been, like, a recreational legal city, or the state of California, I, uh-huh. I, I haven't noticed a change in anything. I mean, not that I would see it first person but i don't think there's been any negative side effects in colorado or oregon or here. Uh, i don't know like there i i it's too early probably to tell until it's more annoying in colorado than it used so? to be just because like all the dumb puns uh, of all the businesses oh okay and, I mean, from a comedy standpoint it's yeah. horrible it's I like mean, the trump it, presidency yeah yeah it's a- <laughs> but it's in like it's like when a city like leans into what it is like when like san francisco is getting taken over by the tech sector or whatever there's all these tech okay. bros everywhere there's it's like it's just more potheads more brazen in Colorado, which is a little bit much. Yeah. I mean, no one likes a pothead, even if you like pot. It's yeah. like the big yeah. fish. I can listen to the music, but the fish uh-huh. heads, Jesus Christ. It's like, uh, <laughs> not that I do listen to the music. I don't want to. No, shut up, Alexa. Uh, I'm not going to play any. Why did she? Oh, she said Doobie Brothers? Yeah. What are we the, hearing right here? Listen. listen to the music. I mean. Now this, we, this we episode is supposed to become. Uh, we're going to have free. to turn this off. Like we're going to have to stop. learn how to disable. Alexa, stop. We're going to have to disable this podcast because that's two weeks in a row now. So this, <laughs> so this study that Dr. Brown did, uh, which spanned eight years, I know. Doc Brown, I know, right? it's from the uh, Back to the Future. Emmett, and what was, did he go back and find? He found it is the same guy as well. Audience, uh, your kids. The study was founded by, oh, sorry, funded by the Multidisciplinary Association on Psychedelic Studies, or MAPS, which you might remember from the Shane Moss episode because he, that's the organization that oh, Shane yeah. has been. Mm. collaborating or communicating with and for his psychedelic stuff exactly but they uh doc brown traced outcomes for addicts who were <laughs> who, <laughs> who were treated with Iga, ibogaine about 90 percent apparently of the people in the study had a dramatic reduction in their withdrawal symptoms at the point when you expect them to be at their worst mm. brown said the severity of the addictions were reduced through the 12 throughout a 12 month follow-up period and their relationships with family and loved ones improved as well. 
and there's a case study of a specific person that they talk about her two days later apparently where they go back to interview her and two days later she's sitting on a deck at the clinic overlooking the pacific ocean when she it dawns on her she hasn't even thought about getting high in two days which hasn't happened in over a decade wow she says it's like they took my addiction and put it in an elevator and send it a hundred floors down wow so these are the i wonder if these are the drugs that uh trump doesn't want them coming over the border they're bringing drugs to cure our opiate addiction stop them we need we need to but boost the pharma sales uh and if you take a little bit of ibogaine every day for a long time you can build up an immunity to the point that you can uh get back to the heroin no i was gonna say you yeah. can defeat a sicilian in a battle of wits all oh, right both <laughs> okay. Sorry. i liked it okay um so the, yeah the way they do it they do it like i thought i thought it was more of a sort of ayahuasca ceremony kind of deal yeah. where that you're just in the in the woods <laughs> with a shaman but apparently they they actually give them blood tests then hook them up to an ekg for monitoring and then a doctor gives the three ibogaine pills okay that sounds better i trust that more than a, a shaman in like, a rainforest yeah, <laughs> yeah there's no drums involved although they do have soothing music playing uh do you have friends who've done an ayahuasca ceremony before I mean, I've never been to one, but I mean, my... I could have asked you. I just assumed yeah. you had. You might know people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure has Shane. Shane must have done ayahuasca at some point. But Mike Kaplan is like the spokesman for ayahuasca now. Not for DMT, which I think is like a... Shane is all about the DMT. Yeah, but specifically, I have friends who've done like the shaman thing. Yeah, Mike uh-huh. Kaplan. Mike Mike has done yeah. numerous ones of those. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's a very different open about friend them. did it and was like it was. I just threw up a lot and I didn't get anything positive from it. So oh, well. you know, I shouldn't judge from that one thing. But yeah. uh, um, In a 2008 study in mice by neurologist Dorit Ron found Ibogaine increased the level of a brain protein called GDNF, which prevents the de- development of addiction. There are drugs that mimic some of the Ibogaine's effects. Uh, one American pharmaceutical company called Savant HWP is scheduled to bring begin human trials next year on a drug called 18MC, which claims to have Ibogaine's desirable effects on addiction without the hallucinogenic com- component. Oh, come on. Let us have fun. I know, right? Which, but that, that really interests me because I assumed... I, I thought all the <clears throat> positive effects were coming from... The psychedelic for, elements From the psychedelic it? elements. It's like, uh, you know, people talk about how certain psychedelic drugs have an effect on depression or resetting mm-hmm. your brain and, you know, giving you a different perspective on life and an outlook which might then make you less approach yeah. drugs in a different way but if it literally is just increasing it, it's just changing the levels of a protein in your bloodstream that makes you less prone to addiction yeah that's that's fine I, same thing with like you know the weed strands that they've like taken all the psychedelic or not psychedelic the psychoactive ingredients out and like boosted the you know appetite stimulants or whatever to make it more like a medicine for people that don't want to get high oh. i i for instance am like for legalization of marijuana but i would i do not use it i've never i've never gotten any benefit from it I've only ever been either paranoid or hungry and not in a fun way. Yeah, the paranoia thing, it's not uh, not the best. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, there's times when I've been jealous of people who really like pot because it's like, I don't... I don't, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the first time I did was for like a, a show in New York and I got really high, went on stage, felt fine on, on stage. And then as soon as I got off, I was like, why was everyone laughing? <laughs> <laughs> and I just sat in a corner for two hours. Um. The FDA apparently just approved phase three trials for MDMA, which is the active component mm. in ecstasy. Well, MDMA also Molly. known as Molly, or uh, to study its use in treating post-traumatic stress. Okay. Brown believes it's likely to show good ro- results and be approved. 
Is Brown based in Mexico, or he's just doing clinical trials? I think he's doing the clinical trials. It, it, where though? Is it? Is he in a different country? I'm not sure. Let me check. Have you guys ever been to a drugstore in Mexico? I've oh, never been yeah. to Mexico. Oh, interesting. I still have go. some fighter pilot pills. <laughs> some <laughs> greenies? Of, no, no, it's, it's called Pro Vigil. Some people think it's like the limitless pill. It's not, oh, it's I not. see. But I mean, uh, I, if you really have a if you have a hard deadline. Oh, okay. I've only taken. I went to Mexico back in January, and I brought back like fifteen of those, and I think I've taken one to finish a packet or something. Oh, interesting. But uh, modafinil is the generic name. But if you, look, oh yeah, you I've, that, yeah, I have, I've definitely heard of modafinil recently. I don't think it's as, I don't think it's all it's cracked up to be. But uh, I mean, it, certainly there are, there's cognitive enhancing drugs that, like, I mean, coffee is a high cognitive right. enhancing drug. Yeah, yeah. It it depends on the severity and like like profound well, impact of it depending. well that was also the 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 ridiculous thing about we've discussed this in the show a while ago when there was um i don't even know what the status is i think it did get brought in but it maybe is still going through revisions but a british law that was mm-hmm. the intention was to close loopholes where the law is always like half a step behind the drug uh-huh. oh, where, sure. where they're like we're gonna ban this and then they slightly change the compounds yeah so they then but went like anything that is psychoactive is illegal and then all these experts in drugs had to step in and go um like Caffeine. music <laughs> yeah. music is psychoactive yeah, like funny <laughs> the smell of cake is psychoactive you know like, what? it's about time we've cracked down on music yeah <laughs> it's you. gotten a little out of hand like, i just don't it. like it like just <laughs> the feeling of having your hair brushed is psychoactive yeah. and then they had to put in all these ridiculous exceptions but it basically criminalized everything by accident because it's yeah. a very badly written law no fun there's <laughs> no one can have any fun if yeah. we see you Jumping. and a smile on your face yeah. stop it we're slapping exactly you. being Near animals, <laughs> just the touch of a rabbit. Mm. Uh, in answer to your question of where he's based, he he's based at UC San Diego. Okay, but, but that's San Diego is right on the border. Yeah. So I I think they do a lot of uh, drug stuff there. I, I applied for a grad school there actually because they have like one of the top neuroscience programs. Didn't get in anyway. Um, but I did. I did, actually I've been to Mexico a few times, and I've never been inside of a drugstore. But like I love that the times that I have been the like logo on the outside where it says pharmacy or pharmacy or whatever it yeah. is like is a anthropomorphic Viagra pill <laughs> who has underwear on and clearly has a boner <laughs> medicine. Yes. This is where to come yeah, from. Yeah. Medicine. Yeah, this it's is like actual <laughs> pharmacist to a, to a school of some sort. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. One, one hopes, but one does hopes. not. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I had a request when I was down there from a friend to bring back some of said, uh, boner pills <laughs> because I guess they are deeply discounted down there. Okay. Well, I mean, but yeah, I've just seen they have like sandwich boards out front that just list every drug. Oh it's, boy! Uh, they lead with the boners, and then yeah, we know uh, <laughs> that's, that's their that's, headliner. That's how they get you in. They get yeah. you in the door with the boners. Yeah, yeah. The boner gets you through the door, but it's the it's the limitless pills. That get you. Yeah. yeah, I just, they, I just I love that. that. Yeah, it's like come on in here, you limp dick pansies. <laughs> 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 we know you feel bad about yourself because of all your inability to fuck anyone so come, come so in and get all this cartoon isn't embarrassed yeah so, yeah yeah, yeah. Come, come be this blue <laughs> if he can get a boner yeah. so can you so wait the pill gets a boner is that what happens yeah. if you take it okay that's well the pill is once it's inside mm-hmm. well the pill is made of a hundred percent boner pills oh, so. <laughs> okay. it's almost it's impossible not pill. to he's he's more boner pill than anything else 
Did you give the rats some of those before the coke? Is that why the uh... no? Okay. Well, that also makes are... it harder. It, like, doesn't like boner pills make it harder to come? Because that was one of the problems in modern oh. porn, where all the really, like, yeah, like the the younger male porn stars were all like chugging boner pills, which makes them be able to perform for ages. But, but then, then they like, can't finish. Then yeah. they have to like <laughs> CGI some some cum coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure that they just get out off screen and have a stand-in. Just in throw their face. just throw some conditioner on their back. <laughs> yeah, but um, sunscreen. We end up here. Well, we because it's a nice show. Podcast we know. about giving cocaine to rats. Yeah, and suddenly it went. Well, there's there's one other drug story that again was. It seems a waste not to do it while we've got someone whose PhD was literally in this sort of field. But ketamine. Oh, has yeah. ketamine has apparently, according to an article this week, shown promise in the rapid treatment of major depression and suicidal thoughts. Interesting. According to a U.S. study, it has a reputation as a party drug, but is licensed as an anesthetic. The study found use of the drug via a nasal spray led to significant improvements in depressive symptoms in the first 24 hours. Yeah. The Royal College of Psychiatrists said it was a significant study that brought the step. A cl- brought the drug a step closer to being prescribed on the NHS. Shit. So the report was by researchers from Janssen Research and Development, which is a Johnson & Johnson company, and Yale School of Medicine. So well, probably... That's, that's going to be abused immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so depressed. Yeah. Give me all the yeah, things yeah, I can yeah. sell on the street. It's, uh, but still, those two people are more reputable than oh, sure. my friend Gary, who also <laughs> has theories on this drug. I, I actually used... Ketamine was one of the anesthetic drugs that we used on the rats. So like Before you did the surgery? Before yeah, you exactly. The it, was, it, was, it was we put them under with ketamine and another drug. Um, yeah, it's an NMDA inhibitor, so it's like a sort of... Co- it's a depressant, basically. What is NMDA? For, NM, for NMDA. It's a um, excitatory neurotrans... Like, um, it's a receptor that, like when your brain is like kind of firing in a way that is active it uh responds to it as excitatory or whatever so dampening it by like taking ketamine which kind of slow your like chill your brain a little bit same thing that like alcohol like it's a kind of different mechanism of action but it's just like it inhibits you or disinhibits so alcohol isn't also dopamine related i thought it was uh... no i mean like they that's the thing is like they, it, it, it's all downstream goes to dopamine in a way if it's Meaning. pleasurable like as in like the it's not affecting the dopamine receptor directly but like it will turn off and on certain neurons that will then project to the dopamine areas so only certain uh i'm gonna admit complete lack of knowledge of 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 neuroscience and neurochemistry mm-hmm. uh, so so like there's there's like glutamate which is that excitatory neurotransmitter that i was referencing the that ketamine acts on and there's GABA which is one that's um, inhibitory so um, alcohol is a GABA agonist it's gonna like tell your brain to shut down in certain areas more so and then like you know it's like shutting down like the security guards stand at at whatever factory and then everyone can party inside Uh Um, and or you know in this NMDA thing is like it's turning down the excitatory parts Okay, okay. And then you say, but those will still end up resulting in some changes in dopamine. Yeah, even so it that it, directly affecting... it's, it's a, a, such a complex network of neurons, and like they're always firing in different ways with different neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's it all it kind of the same way that everything that you put in down your drain goes all to the same place. Like, it doesn't matter if you put it down your shower, put it down your toilet, throw it in the street. Yeah, it's all going out to the ocean. Okay. So it's similar in in that way where everything's kind of affecting everything. Yeah. Um, 
So this is the first study into ketamine as a treatment for depression that's been done by a drug company, been published in the American Journal of Psychiatry. The trial looked at 68 people at imminent risk of suicide. All patients were treated with a stay in hospital and antidepressants, but in addition, half were given ketamine in the form of S-ketamine, E-S-K-A, sorry, E-S-K-E-T-A-M-I-N-E, which is part of the ketamine molecule, in a nasal spray, and half were given a placebo. The study found that those using S-ketamine had a much greater improvement in depression symptoms at all points over the first four weeks of treatment. However, at day 25, the effects had leveled out. The study's authors said it suggested it could offer an effective rapid treatment for people severely depressed and at mm. imminent risk of suicide and could help in the initial stages of treatment as most antidepressants take four to six weeks to become fully effective. So that they like can save their life before they're suicidal, but like get them off it before they become a DJ. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fate worse than suicide. Oh, God, yeah. Just keep away from glow sticks for 24 <laughs> hours and they should be fine. Yeah. It's, uh, don't they always say, like, DJing is a permanent solution to a temporary personality? Apologies <laughs> 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 to our DJ listeners. Uh, it's not a real thing. Yeah. The nasal spray is now undergoing phase three trials before it can be licensed for treatment. There were no reports of esketamine dependence or misuse in the trial but the authors warn that more research is needed on the potential for abuse of ketamine and say these should be looked at during subsequent trials. Scientists in the UK are also studying ketamine as a treatment for depression taken intravenously. Dr. James Stone from the Royal College of Psychiatrists told the BBC that the interesting US study confirmed the findings from successful studies into intravenous ketamine. The main reason for its significance is because this is being developed by a drug company and it's potentially quite likely that the medication might become available as a treatment available in the NHS for de- mm. depression. Maybe they can condition people to not take too much of it by if they take one extra dose, they'll just go like this. <laughs> I, I was wondering why you were fiddling with your phone yeah, for a second. Yeah. There. Like, has he got a text thing? I that got he's the instant rap air horn, baby. That Is that operant conditioning? <laughs> <laughs> That's classical conditioning. Or op- oh, okay. Yeah, where it's like associative, but not you don't control the, it. The classical Skinner air horn. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, I just read about the origin of that in music, uh, or I just saw like a video about it. Because I was like, when did that? Who? There's one DJ on, who brought it into. It's the oh, to put the air horn into the air, yeah, into the yeah, lex, yeah. into the sort of zeitgeist of DJ in the last like ten years, where it was like a throwback to like a, I think it was like a Jamaican dance hall thing in the '80s or something. Oh boy, and, yeah, yeah. It's so fucking insane. <laughs> that like the trap hi hats. Anyway, different podcast. Um, so being apparently being given as a nasal spray was much easier to administer than intravenous ketamine, unsurprisingly, and potentially quicker to give. So it means more people can be dosed at the same time, and you need less equipment. Doctor Stone said, if it did go on to be prescribed in the NHS, it would be aimed at people with severe depression as a second or third line of treatment if other drugs hadn't worked and could be used for people instead of electroconvulsive therapy. <laughs> uh, I just you say, like, they can be shared with more people. It's like, pass the nasal inhaler. Yeah. <laughs> Don't <bogart laughs> Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Professor Mittal Mehta from King's College said it was an exciting study because all the studies to date have been looking at intraven- intravenous use. There are some people who've been who've explored oral ketamine, but that doesn't appear to be as successful intravenous. So intranasal seems to be a good halfway house. It enters the blood, the body relatively quickly. It's not as fast as going straight into your bloodstream, but not as slow as via the stomach, and it's reasonably easy to control how much you give to a person. So it's a really important study. Um, because ketamine is licensed to be used by doctors as, as an anesthetic, it can be prescribed off-license for depression. 
So this is happening already in private clinics in the US and the UK. But to be prescribed in the NHS, it would need to be licensed specifically for depression. Wait, yeah. In the US right now, someone can get prescribed ketamine? No, ketamine? it's the UK, right? No, it's that, and in the US yeah. as well. Oh, shit. So I, I guess because... Because they the, just have it in their office, they, they can say, yeah, yeah isn't, isn't take that what, this with you. Yeah, what uh, off... Um, off license? I don't, off, even, I don't know what that means. I think we've had that before with a different story. I, I believe, and listeners correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the deal is because it's already been licensed by the FDA in America and it's equivalent oh, in the UK. Because it's not a Schedule 1 drug. Exactly. It's been, it's been licensed for other other things. Oh, so it's so... already it's already licensed for anesthetizing. Yeah. So mm. it's it's the, they've already said this is okay for doctors to give to people and doctors can then use their own discretion to Interesting. give it to people for other things. So like the same thing like like Benadryl is an allergy pill but like people can also use it for sleep whatever medication right. like if you want to go to sleep there's actually I looked at um, uh, a person who had would take this thing called sleep and all and I was like that sounds very shady and I looked it up it was it was just exact Benadryl same. yeah I think most over the counter sleeping pills are just antihistamines yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like the way Viagra was supposed to be a heart or blood pressure medication mm-hmm. and then it just gave everyone boners it's like <laughs> I'm like okay yeah um i went to the veterinary medicine section of the wikipedia entry for ketamine because i was curious if the horse tranquilizer reputation it has is actually true mm-hmm. and it says it is and it also is impar- is an important part of the external link rodent cocktail a mixture of drugs used for anesthetizing rodents do you want to uh Ooh. try to name the three things that wikipedia says are in the rodent cocktail um i'm trying to even remember what the second one was we, we used it um we used buprenorphine as a painkiller after surgery, but oh, then we okay. used um, uh, ketamine. One, one starts and, with an A. Yeah, I think it. Well, atropine. No, that's that's a different thing we'd use in case there. I'm not trying to put you in this spot because no, no, <laughs> I, I, I've for, I've forgotten. I forgot the other one, but I, if you'd named it, I'd probably be able to tell you. If, if you go to it. Rodent Cocktail Wikipedia, it says, uh, uh-huh. anesthetic mixture used for rodents research. The injectable clear liquid is a mixture of ketamine, xylazine. Oh, that sounds right. As a sepromazine. Yeah. Xylazine, I think, is what we used. Okay. Yeah. Frasier use depends on the species of rodent. Mm-hmm. Why is um so you were talking about the, the pathway that ketamine acts on is the same as alcohol, but it has very different effects. Like ketamine is sort of dissociative and Yeah. It, not quite it's not it's not a right. hallucinogen, but it sort of dissociates to like vision and sound and is is different. Yeah, like they, they, they completely. Um, how do I describe? It? Like they, they, it's like different different foods. Like they have different nutritional profiles. And they do different things to your body, but they still make you feel full. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the same way with like the pleasure center of of like the drugs and stuff. It might make you think in a way in a certain way or stop thinking in a certain way, but it can still have a like a pleasurable effect. Okay, that makes sense. Is there an overall mechanism difference between stimulants and depressants, or is that also kind of like just kind of vague terms for an overall? Yeah, those sensation? are those are very vague. Like, is almost as you know, it's, it's just kind of like turning on versus off certain neurons, and okay. like, and it's and it's in the way that they interact in your brain, um, and it's and even within the mechanisms of how they do that are different. So it's it's very broad stroke. You know, alcohol is a depressant. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And 
cocaine's a stimulant. So how did you get into neuroscience in the first place? Like, what was Rebecca? Yeah, well, you know, they, they had those recruiters outside your class <laughs> sure, saying, yeah. like, you look like you want to give cocaine to rats. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was interested in science uh, out of college. I, and like the, I think it was like actually a teacher I had that was very inspiring. Like he taught both, all of the like sort of drugs and behavior courses, mm-hmm. the, the um, psychopharmacology stuff that I, felt, I was like, wow, brains or the brain is so impacted by all these drugs and stuff. And uh, I didn't go immediately into research. I went, I worked for a biotech company for like a year and a half out of undergrad. Yeah. So I graduated uh, college, went to back to San Diego, worked at a biotech company there and I hated it. It was horrible. Cause <laughs> like, you, worked for it. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, like, yeah, exactly. It's like, you're just mixing chemicals to, you're a high tech baker. You're mm-hmm. like, you're like putting stuff in a thing, stirring it together and then heating it up, cooling it down, testing it. It, it was just, it required no brain power beyond just what where to put the chemicals when you're done using them. Were there any interesting things they were working towards on those things? No, they were just or? manufacturing like um, sort of diagnostic tests. Like you, if you're testing for like a blood pressure disease or blood whatever heart okay. disease, it would have a certain amount of proteins in it. So we'd isolate the protein from like a different serum, and uh, yeah, it was it was just super unrewarding and so i just well, I was like i should go back into research that's more fun okay and uh so i was just like you know what was, what was the part of research or the science that i liked the most oh those two classes i'll just apply and i, I also had started stand-up comedy at that point oh interesting so i was i had like just started doing it i was like i want to go to a city where i can do stand-up so i applied for only to schools where I, there would be a city that i could do stand-up in. yeah so i was like kind of a dual track of like I'm going to do tell jokes. So you went to Boston, which is famously one of the <laughs> America's main comedy cities, like yeah. historically famous. Yeah, it's it's got produced a lot of great. Were you there acts. at the same time as Shane and Mike? Yeah, that's where I met them. They they were both like they were both kind of starting to blow up as I got to Boston. Right. Yeah. And they, yeah, those are the two of the first people I met. They were great. And you didn't get sidetracked. Usually it's not like those two things happen at once. I get a fire lit under me for both graduate work and comedy. It's like <laughs> one or the other. Right. One yeah. derails the other or something. Certainly. The, I, I was not uh, carpooling to all the open mics with all my co- yeah. colleagues yeah. In, my re- in my research lab. Um, yeah, it's, it, scientists are a different breed typically. But there's a few. They do other stuff. But I mean, like, it's, I was an engineer and yeah. Matt was a math major. But like, I think if either of us had... If the timing had been different, one might have derailed the other. Oh, you know, sure. Let's say the fact that you were like... Well, in my case, it definitely did. Because like, <laughs> you, you at least stuck it out and were a professional engineer for a while. But I was already... I was writing comedy by my first year and I was doing stand-up by my third year and my grades did not <laughs> reflect... Like, my grades did not stay at a constant. Yeah. I, I certainly took longer to graduate than I should have, mm-hmm. for instance, because like... I, I think in my kind of program, it's usually like five or so years. I took six years to, gra- to get my defend my dissertation, but like I, it was graduate school. I would argue is a good, um, like it was a great. It was like having a part time job with a flexible schedule, mm-hmm. like it, like any other day job. Because like in in doctoral programs, they pay for you, like for science at least, like not humanities. We're not paying for your fucking yeah, history yeah, degree. Yeah. <laughs> no, everyone everyone knows America hates history, so <laughs> yeah. um, we need drugs and we need to pay the students before they go into the pharmaceutical. Well, industry. You normally when you're a when you're a science PhD, you're normally also assisting a science professor or mm-hmm. research like professional research scientist, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you're like a you're that sort of stooge you're sort of a trainee like you're you're there like there's totally different hierarchies as well like the graduate research assistants take over projects that the 
advisor supervises. They have techs underneath them that are kind of doing some busy work. Then there's the undergrad assistants that are just basically slaves. They're like, go pick up the rats from the rat facility, bring them back down here. Clean this. Clean all this different stuff. Enter these, enter, enter the data into the spreadsheet, that kind of thing. And then you have to make sure they didn't fuck it up because they are undergrads. Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, so there's a whole delegation, uh, like hierarchy that is used in labs and uh, exploited as such yeah. you know you know how they could get out if they was <laughs> how they could escape from those labs <laughs> with the help of Any a barrel oh <laughs> which some baboons successfully did this week they mm-hmm. they propped up barrels against the walls of their yard at the texas biomedical research institute and used them to jump over the fence three baboons <laughs> then escaped the center perimeter while the fourth returned to the pen on its own mm. that one chickened out they earned their freedom Except they didn't, because they're back yeah. in there now. Yeah. <laughs> but according to the statement, the San Antonio Institute issued a press release that said the baboons rolled a 55-gallon barrel up against the wall of their open yard to escape. That's a large... It's a pretty large barrel. Yeah. Um, the researchers gave the baboons the barrel as barrels as an enrichment tool to help them mimic foraging as they would in the wild. Staff removed the barrel once they realized the primates had used them to jump the walls. Uh, so you try to you try you give a mouse a cookie, yeah, and then they use it to escape their research yeah. facility where they're being injected with drugs. Or I think it was a human disease research facility. Let me look that up. I think I, I think you're right. I, I didn't read much about this story, but I did see that it was like a, a study that studied human diseases, and I think that's one of the reasons they had to like catch them before they because they before they out uh, outbreaked the world (laughs) i was just like hey let's not let these uh, baboons give everyone syphilis (laughs) we already have enough super gunnery in the world oh yeah the super gunnery we covered that um yeah i wonder what diseases these these uh baboons had it says here it's the problem the problem started when they uh hired a caretaker who was a mustachioed plumber and they started to really get into moving barrels around yeah yeah yeah. And he, the, the the mustachioed plumber was distracted by a striking princess. Yeah. <laughs> or or <laughs> in a, in a, whatever, not a literal princess, <laughs> but you know, one who would have princess on her license plate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the princess I'm talking about. Are you finding something? Oh, uh, I uh, found the well, Twitter account for the uh, Texas Biomedical Research, Research Institution. Center. Let's see what it says. If it has like an about txbiomed.org about. Mm. Let's see what they do. What they say they have to do. Uh, they aim to unravel the mysteries of chronic and infectious diseases through innovative thinking, creative problem solving, and cutting edge technologies. Oh my God. That's, that's the most. Vague. That is so like euphemism central yeah, there. Right? <laughs> we're trying to do cure all these diseases by all these innovative blah, blah, blah. It's like we're giving monkeys <laughs> these diseases and seeing what drugs work on them. Yep. Um, so it's a 200 acre campus uh, outside of San Antonio. Um, they're fighting against cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, cancer, psychiatric disorders, problems of pregnancy, AIDS, hepatitis, malaria, parasitic infections, and a host of other infectious diseases. Um, what, cool. Readers, lit, mailbag time. We had a couple of scientists write in with corrections, as we always re- <laughs> request that. I love a good correction. Yep, but yep. Mar- Maria Murphy, or Mariah Murphy, I think it's Mariah. She, I think she, Mariah. Mariah wrote in with a pronunciation correction. That did not did, help me. Not with a name. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so last week we were talking about people being poisoned by cucurbitessens, which is the which is the variety of vegetable that includes squash and zucchini. Uh, it's not cucurbitessens at all. It is... Um, well, I mean, yes, it would be cute. The first thing is pronounced Q, but then all those things you said are right. We just don't know what accent 
What, what syllable to hit? Right. Yeah, that but was the question. It's Q. Firstly, the first syllable is a Q rather than K. So it's a right. Q K But you're assuming it's primary on the first and then secondary on the third syllable there. But like, anyway, okay, yeah, she wrote in that. But then I had to write, write back. I mean, like, but how? Where do you hit the accent? You like, know what's, what's great? Like it, it, when I was in grad school, like every scientist would pronounce one scientific word very distinctly and different from everyone else. And was and yeah, it was like, <laughs> and they were so smug about it. Like, they were like not even backing down they would put some stank on it like right, it was right, like right. yeah i said it i pronounced acetylcholine acetyl choline or whatever <laughs> like it, they, they would throw out some real like haymakers on these yeah. on these words it's like uh is is, is neanderthal now what we do is yeah. neanderthal is that the thing you do to show that you're on the right side of neanderthal history yeah and then um <laughs> there was something else like that that i heard recently and i was like oh do we all have to do that well, Mariah wrote, she actually worked with them. So her lab work in college had us go out for our coll- to our college farm and harvest leaves, fruits, and flowers from cucumber, which have a bitter skin because of the cu- cucurbitacins, squash, <laughs> and zucchini plants. We also collected cucumber beetles that fed on the plants. These insects actually sequester said chemicals in order to deter predators from eating them. Unfortunately, mm. they also det- destroy crops. We isolated the different cucurbitacins from different parts of the plant and then allowed the beetles to choose between them to see which they preferred. That was what she did. There's no word on which of them she did prefer. Good old cucumber research. Yeah, yeah. There's another correction. Well, a couple, a correction and a clarification from Steve. I can't see who Steve's last name is because he didn't copy it across. I'll look it up in a second. But... Apparently, on a trip to New Orleans, I took a swamp ride to look at gators and was told by a tour guide that Henry Ford, we talked about the cars last week, yeah, yeah. had difficulty with materials due, to, due in part to the war, wanted to use Spanish moss as a seat stuffing in the Model Ts because apparently it has great qualities and it doesn't rot. Uh, and he told the swamp folk he would buy this seemingly en- endless material that was somewhat of a nuisance if shipped... Uh, in very tightly specified shipping crates. Uh, then he used those shipping crates as floorboards in the vehicles, so we got two parts for the price of three hey, nice. <laughs> Clever Henry Ford. That's and then the, what he's known for. And then the, the correction was that when, we were talk- when you were talking about the stealth bomber and saying it was angular, it was actually the stealth fighter. That's mm. the angular one, the B2 stealth fighter. The bomber was more of a flying wing, which has a large oh, yeah. flat bottom, but overall not very angular. Right. Okay. Wait, so a fighter and a bomber are different because a fighter doesn't bomb, I guess, and a bomber doesn't fight? Well, I'm, I'm guessing that, yeah. like, the the stealth bomber is just more, like, under the darkness of night, it just kind of flies in a straight direction over the uh, target and drops a bomb, whereas a, a fighter would probably be more dogfighty, maneuverable, less less inconspicuous. So it doesn't look like a, bit, a, a wing. Let me see what the mm-hmm. B- B2 fighter looks like. Yeah, there's yeah the the a fighter is Wait. used in like dogfights. You know, they'll actually will engage in the they, air. They look. They both look like like the, what you're picturing. Hmm. Wait. The, I mean, no, it's it's the same thing. Uh, the B two is known as the stealth bomber. If you Google B two fighter, it still brings up the B two bomber. Oh, hmm. I, by the way, I looked up Steve's email and just says Steve, and there's no f- last name. Hey, oh, okay. Steve. Thank you for emailing Steve. Uh, Maybe see. it's just. Um, it's a, a, B, a B2 fighter is just a B2 bomber that's from Boston. 
Well, what about uh, <laughs> I consider myself more of a B2 lover. <laughs> hey, did you know that the world's most popular animals are more in danger than we realize, according to a new what? study? What? Uh, and the animal's I... popularity, their charisma as an animal, makes them a threat. Animals' media ubiquity, certain animals that pop up all the time in things like advertising and graphics and cartoons, can lead the public to mistakenly believe that these species aren't endangered. Oh, man, I, sw- I think there should be way less cats. Because of how, how, how often they're represented on things like zoo websites and on the covers of Disney uh, and Pixar yeah. animated films. And we're like, we've got loads of those. They're all over the zoo. Koalas and actually, and stuff. What are they? Well, I was going to say, I, before I... I don't think I even Should put I this article guess? here. I was going to... Yeah, the 10 most charismatic it. animals, according oh, to this... Uh, according to this... we just web- go one for one? John and I... Oh, we do family feud style? Yeah, yeah. 10 most charismatic... I mean, Panda, obviously. Panda is on the list. But everyone knew that they were in danger. Right. Yeah. Like, that's, that shouldn't be a surprise. see them enough in logos that they think... I, I don't know. Well, they Are just they panda- just said that they were taken off the endangered species list, and now they're just threatened. Not oh really? Endangered. Pandas are? Yeah, oh. that's that's the, around the same time that uh, what was it? Tucker Carlson was like sex crazed pandas when like the Cohen <laughs> raid happened. Oh, that's right. But that was the yeah. story that Fox News covered instead of <laughs> like, about. pandas are fucking too oh, much. Yeah, yeah. Don't pay no attention to our yeah. corrupt president <laughs> and his lawyer. Um, All right, so you got the panda. What do you? Yoga. Uh, ja- Let's see. I'll do giraffe. You the, correct? Can I? Uh, is is a white tiger a thing? <laughs> uh, you didn't need the adjective. Oh, okay. Just tiger. Just flat out tiger. Okay. Yeah. Uh, elephants. Bingo. Okay. Now I'm. Uh, I want to go with some kind of ape, but I don't know which. Sp- do I have to be specific? Can I say a kind of gorilla? Just, Just gorilla, gorilla is okay. on the list. Okay. Yeah. Cool, uh, cool. Rhinoceros. Nope. Yeah. What? What first? Uh-uh. Well, I mean, like the white that several rhinos have gone extinct, and the white yeah. rhino is, is is a thing that doesn't that appara- is apparently extinct. not charismatic yeah. according to this article. Uh, oh, study. please! Yeah, and I guess I, they are a little off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> what? Got those big old horns? So we got through five of the ten. But they, yeah. I mean, like the, the the rhino should be the mascot for the Viagra pill. Yes, clearly. Like, that's, come on. Um, the rhino is one of those things where if it didn't exist and you saw a picture. I've ranted about this before. Like, uh-huh. I think as much as we like fetishize dinosaurs, we don't appreciate that we have animals now. Where if they, if they didn't exist and you heard them described, you'd be like, "Oh my god, wouldn't it be cool if we lived in a world that yes, had those?" Yes, of we course. Have them, but we don't even go yeah. see them, you know. We or we do, but you know, like a giraffe, that's mm-hmm. magical. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're ri- ridiculous. And yeah, you're right. A rhino does look. Go and go to the go and see your local rhino. It's yeah. basically dinosaur-y. It's like, well, I mean, it's, people use. I mean, there is some speculation that like that's what people thought um, unicorns were. Like, oh, okay. like people came back from Africa. It's like they had a whole huge horn. It's like a horse, but with a horn. Okay, yeah, yeah, like someone's yeah. just writing it down: horse with horn. Oh, yeah, Grant's <laughs> wishes. I don't think yeah. I, he just added the Grant's yeah. wishes thing later. I mean, like they do the, specifically even more the Viagra uh, mascot because they are poached because they cut off their horns as their boner pills. Yeah, that's uh, because they it, look virile. It's only endangered animals they do. that. And that's by the way the laziest sciencey thinking, isn't yeah. it? Just like it looks a bit like a dick. So. Yeah. If I yeah. eat it, I will get a dick. <laughs> it's just a fingernail. It's right. like the exact same composition of a human fingernail. Is, this, yeah, is it keratin? Yeah. How come it's, we can't And hair as well. Hair is made of the same stuff, right? Is this like Chinese uh, billionaires different, who are yeah, causing more this? Or less. What's that? Wh- whatever the market for it is. I feel like it's like Chinese billionaires or something. Yeah. Can we just convince them that like 
cucumbers are shaped like dicks. Just how get, about, go, go plant some cucumbers. How about just we swap out actual Viagra? Or that's you. <laughs> like we why are we still the dabbling in mysticism once they've it's, actually we've cracked the code? The problem science yeah. has actually fixed. It's like that. it's like what well, the Steve Jobs would stop drinking juice to cure his cancer once they actually cure it. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot towards the end he did do some crazy stuff, didn't he? Mm. No, towards the beginning, that was his problem. He left it too long before oh. he switched to conventional medicine. Yeah. Uh. What a fucking idiot, am yeah. I right? <laughs> Dumb fucking jobs. Um, but yeah, so I I was wrong with Rhino. What are? What oh yeah, it? we got five more to get. To should go we through? just? Should I just tell you the list? Oh, oh no, should, I, should we keep guessing? I'm gonna guess whale. Is uh, there a whale? No, on there? there's no aquatic animals. Okay. On this list. Um, and and koalas are not. I'm sure koalas are not on the list. That are in logos of stuff. Um, kangaroos are not. Those kangaroos. Are there's no Antipodean specific animals. Wait, does that mean south of the equator, or does that mean Australian native? Oh, I think specifically Antipodean is the it's, area of like Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, oh. I think Oceania type thing. I'm gonna go a lion. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I gotta think more generic zoo animals now. Zebra. Nope. Mm. Leopard? Yes. Yeah. Mm. What else do you want to see? I'll stay with cats and go cheetah. Boom. Hey, now. Are we at eight? You have two to go. Are there any marine ones left? No, there were no marines at all. Did you already say that? Okay, sorry. Um, um, Bear? This one, weirdly, I do need you to go more specific. Grizz? Oh, polar bear. I mean, yeah. That one, obviously. Correct. (laughs) Now we got one. We're not going to get this. I also did work at the San Diego Zoo, so I have a slight advantage. Oh, that's a good zoo. It's a great zoo. Um, World famous. Oh, yeah. Jack, um, no. Who's the guy who was always on the Tony Show? Jack Hanna? Yeah, Jack Hanna in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Also, Kira Soltanovich, past alum of probably science as well, was, she worked, yeah, she used to do tours at the zoo. Oh. That was her student job. Nice. Uh, the hippo isn't endangered, is it? There's not a hippo. Uh, the water horse? It's a it's a fairly conventional animal. Or at least it's related to a very conventional animal. Mm. Uh, is it that fly... Is it the, the, the version of the raccoon that Japan has that... Oh, the red panda? Yeah. Is there like a Mario level where you get to turn into that or something <laughs> and it flies? It's a very mainstream animal. Like combining or- two. <laughs> oh, man. Um... Uh, a panther mainstream I mean, animal as in like native to North America mainstream or what, what? oh yeah give me a continent um, I'm pretty sure they're, they're on most continents in one but form or another they're endangered and we think of them as not endangered they yes do. they're not wolves yep whoa hey now wow nice work that's a lot not like gray wolf just wolves just says wolf oh just says wolf never would have guessed that so yeah the team had um the team had volunteers in France catalog their encounter with virtual populations of these 10 animals over the period of a week. They encountered an average of 4.4 lions in logos, cartoons, magazines, and other sources each day, implying people are likely to see two to three times as many virtual lions as a, in a year as there are lions in the whole of West Africa. <laughs> the, they, they think that might have a subconscious impact, although there is no direct evidence of yet. Wait, so, but the negative side of this is the fact that, like, if you don't think they're endangered, you're not going to do something about it. Where you would have done think, something about it, or, or maybe the- they'll like the Trump family will see lions on a logo and say, "I gotta go shoot one of those yeah. things." I don't. I think it's a fairly open study so far. It's not that. Yeah. Well, like, it, yeah. There's doesn't seem like there's much causality. of a much of a uh, remedy to this. Well, like, that, stop exploiting these wonderful endangered yeah. animals for their cuteness. It does say time is short for some of the animals on the list. Ecologists predict that without sustained conservation efforts, elephants will become extinct in the wild within a century. 
Mm. Damn, I haven't heard that. Yeah, I, and I, I've, I was aware that they were pretty endan- like relatively endangered. So that's disconcerting. Cheetah are apparently facing an imminent population decline of up to seventy percent, and are already confined to just nine percent of their historical territory in Africa. Damn. So yeah, again, you sort of think, yeah, there's fucking loads of them, but not not so much. Well, if they're so fast, you think there's more of them. Yeah. <laughs> Who's getting them? Sixty miles an hour. Um, it's a quick cat. Well, it's probably human expansion. <laughs> No. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Or, or, or. <laughs> if you want to get literal, yeah, yeah. so we have one more story here sent in by uh, frequent uh, donor and um, story sender inner listener Linda Moulton. Hey, Linda. What the, up, Linda? The world's hottest pepper may have triggered a man's severe headaches. Can you guess the name of this pepper? The Carolina Reaper. You are right. Yeah, bitch. Are you? Are you a- <laughs> That's the sound it makes when it touches your tongue. <laughs> are you a, are you a chili? Are you a hot pepper fan? I am. I love. Uh, I don't like the ultra ultra hot, but I like habaneros, which are like up there. You know, they're a solid hot pepper, and I put them in like chili and other dishes and stuff. To pull asshole scientist uh, for mm-hmm. a second, I think the N doesn't have an enye on it. it. Doesn't have a tilde. I don't think it's habanero. I think it's just it's habanero. habanero. Yeah. Well, jalapeno has that, so you always want to say that, but... Weird. I should just Google that before I Hab- look like a real it's, asshole. And it's habanero. I think it's called a habanero. Yeah, there's no uh, tilde over the... I'm not reading the first line habanero. of this. The first... The, Linda, you're not getting the first sentence of this one. Mm-hmm. Another <laughs> terrible... No, fuck it, you're getting it. Hot peppers aren't just a pain in the mouth. They may be a pain in the head, too. <laughs> Neither of those are and terms. Those are... <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Not Ass and neck would have worked there. But neither like, part of that <laughs> sentence. He's been a real pain in the mouth, this I have, guy. I have <laughs> noticed that if you, ch- if you don't wear gloves when you slice the peppers, they can be a pain in your dick. Oh. Oh, yes. I've, I've had my dick burned internally from the hot pepper. They Wait may a be a pain okay, in so the head of the peppers, dick. Naked. What's up? You you were slicing peppers without gloves on. Naked. Yes, exactly. Then, you know, I, I started using sure. a habanero as a flashlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's just like going pee later, and I just whipped it out. Interesting. That's all it took. Yeah. No, I didn't. I wasn't like jerking off or anything okay. like I mean, that. I, listen, we all uh, we all have our. It's, it's fine. I'm not. I had to <laughs> basically jerk out her with soap to try to get all the, the, the pepper shit like off of milk. it. Just pouring milk. Yeah, all over pouring it. milk on my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific fetish. So after yeah. after eating the hottest known pepper in the world, a man suffered from splitting headaches that drove him to the hospital emergency room and into case study history. <laughs> <laughs> he is the he is in the annals of food uh, mishaps. Yes, <laughs> his is the first yeah, no- Mikey. Yeah. The first known instance of reversible cerebral vasoconstriction syndrome, a temporary narrowing of arteries in the brain, to be tied to eating a hot pepper. Mm. Researchers report on April the 9th in British Medical Journal case reports. Such narrowed arteries can lead to severe pain called thunderclap headaches and are often associated with pregnancy complications or illicit drug use. Damn. During a hot pepper eating contest, the man ate a chili dubbed the Carolina Reaper, which is named by Guinness World Records as the hottest pepper in the world. It's over 200 times as spicy as a jalapeno. About a minute later... He reported experiencing splitting headaches that came and went over two days before he sought treatment. Damn. Initial tests failed to find anything out of the ordinary, but a CT scan of blood vessels in the man's brain showed severely narrowed arteries. After treatment, including hydration and pain medication, the headaches stopped. 
When the researchers imaged his brain five weeks later, the arteries had returned to their normal size. There's like a picture accompanying this article that we'll link to in the show notes. Yeah, that's, How uh, is that's he noticeable. so dehydrated after eating a pepper? Like, I, I usually like pound liquid. You know, you want to get dope milk. Yeah, like, I don't. I just, any yeah. kind of... Uh, it, like the temporary relief of water on your tongue, it doesn't... Right. Well, uh, it, they reckon it's likely that uh, capsaic- capsaicin, which is the main ingredient in hot peppers... Or which is the thing that causes the heat, right? Right, yeah. It's like the, the grade of, like, the number associated with how hot something is is, like, the amount of capsaicin, I think. Uh, was, it was responsible for the headache, says study co-author uh, Kulothungan Gan- <laughs> Ganasekaran, I'm going to say, who's an internal medicine expert at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit. Nice. The capsaicin, a known irritant, is used in pepper sprays, but in smaller doses, it can relieve pain. Two previous studies has connect, have connected cayenne peppers with heart troubles, including a non-fatal heart attack. Hmm. Gathering more data to better understand how capsaicin affects the brain could be tricky. The problem, the doctor says, is that such a case is a very rare occurrence and no one's willing to volunteer to eat this thing. Oh, yeah. So is this... Uh, I thought the ghost pepper was... Uh, I'm like Googling those two to see which one... Okay, pepper scale showdown. Pepperscale.com. Carolina Reaper versus ghost pepper... Uh, do you guys want to guess at their relative Scoville heat unit scores? Mm. I, I, you know, I'm going to say that the Carolina one goes to 11. It's, it basically does. <laughs> but uh, I, It's like millions of parts, right? Yes. It, well, actually, the ghost pepper uh, can tip into the million, but it's, it goes, according to pepperscale.com, uh, 855,000 to 1,041,000 Scoville units, and the Carolina Reaper goes from 1.4 million to 2.2 million. Jesus. So it's, so it's approximately twice as hot as the ghost pepper. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. Can or, you guess how hot a jalapeno is on this scale? I would guess around 50,000. Let's see. Yeah, if it's 200 times the, the heat. <laughs> is, only, it lo- is it logarithmic or is it. That's a good question. Uh, the jalapeno is only twenty five hundred to eight thousand. So this. Oh, is, so I was even off by a factor of ten. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they almost do it logarithmically, though. Again, I'm going with pepperscale.com. This might be a biased source to use <laughs> to learn about this. We need scale. ethics in pepper journalism. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's named for Wilbur Scoville, first of all, who was a pharmacist um, who worked for Park Davis. Rory's dad. Uh, yeah. uh, the Scoville organoleptic test is based on dilution of ground up hot chili peppers okay what is it actually oh you guys didn't like the amount of like water it would take to dilute it down to a certain amount like the glasses of water or something they saying that that's what you think it would that was the way it corresponds to or something i've heard of other things or whatever i'm not seeing about whether this is logarithmic or not i'm just gonna go to wikipedia um, so yeah, in modern li- in modern times, high performance liquid chromatography is used to de- determine the pungency. The older method is a subjective measurement depending on the the capsaicin sensitivity of the testers, so is not that precise. Mm. So in the original test, um, and yeah, you're pretty much right. In the original test, an exact weight of dry pepper is dissolved in alcohol to extract the heat components which are the capsaicinoids, and then diluted in a solution of sugar water. Decreasing concentrations of the extracted capsaicinoids are given to a panel of five trained testers or tasters until a majority, at least three, can no longer detect the heat in a dilution. The heat level is based on this dilution rated in multiples of 100 SHU. 
So the weakness of the test is is imprecision due to human subjectivity, depending on the taster's palate and a number of mouth and their number of mouth heat receptors, which varies widely. And a, another weakness is sensory fatigue. The palate is quickly desensitized to capsa- capsaicinoids after tasting a few samples within a short time period. Well, that makes sense because you get you can train yourself up to be better at eating chili mm-hmm. food. And even over the, I've noticed like over the course of a meal, I'm not a huge chili head, but I, I like a little bit of hot sauce or sure, yeah. But you can you can add more and more as the or like, uh, true and like the, the way that I've habituated or like as uh, the meal goes on you can add more even like probably developing taste like I like IPAs for for beer and like now every other beer tastes like water right because I've just adjusted my palate to only taste the the hops in super high concentration you've really normalized it yeah you haven't even tried to go into like the uh, more interesting pilsners that aren't just like. I would love to once I kick the IPA addiction that I have because they they, they all taste like water. (laughs) Even like a... Wow. I'm sure... This thing is like you you just have to adjust the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now they use high-performance liquid chromatography, which measures the concentration of heat-producing chemicals such as capsaicin. The results enable a use of a mathematical formula that weights them according to their relative capacity to perceive heat, to produce, produce perceived heat, which is their pungency. This method yields results... In American Spice Trade Association, that's the ASTA's pungency units, mm. which are defined as one part capsaicin per million parts dried pepper mass. Mm. The number of pungency units is then multiplied by fifteen to produce a Scoville score. So that doesn't sound—that's not logarithmic. That sounds like it's linear. Okay. And I was surprised to see. Uh, you want to guess what the um, Scoville units for law enforcement grade pepper spray would be? Given that we know the oh right is. 2.2 million or so I'll, I'll guess probably not even that high. i'll guess like half a million wow uh from 500,000 to a million yeah for law enforcement yeah. so this thing that this guy it's ate is twice as hot as police issues pepper yeah. spray he just pepper sprayed his brain yep twice <laughs> damn <laughs> what, and then went to the hospital yeah what would make you want to i mean like i can't even without money on the table there's no reason well it was a competition he probably got at least some, some it chicken wings out of it. it yeah i missed that part of the story somehow. he was a pepper oh. eating contest oh Okay, well then he got—he probably got a medal, and like you know, you got a bunch of medals up he, there. He Come got the glory. You're a medal yeah. head. Yeah, <laughs> like like a medal here and there. How how dare you, do you it? Qu- yeah. impugn the motives of someone <laughs> when you have at least twenty different medals on your wall right now that yeah. I'm looking at? Okay, every every one ribbons, of them. ribbons, first place in swimming uh, competitions. Every one of them a headache causing activity. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Think of the pruning you've done your skin <laughs> with all that swimming. Weeks it sometimes takes for his fingers to return <laughs> yeah, to yeah. their formerly depruned state. Mm-hmm. Lots of pruning. We've covered that too. It's a surprising thing that scientists haven't even agreed why, agreed why pruning happens. What? Yeah. Huh. There's different theories. Like some people thought at some point that it was like a thing that made your fingers have more... Retain um, more water? No, 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 Underwater uh, grip. Grip. And then that oh. was disproven... And then I think we also talked about how it's like the evolutionary purpose or what is actually happening to your fingers when they. Oh no! I pregnant. think they know what they know what's happening. Yeah. Okay. That, uh, that, 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 even that, that was a surprise <laughs> because I think people assume that uh, it was shriveling up rather than ga- expanding. You know, expanding. Yeah. 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 Um, you knew this stuff. Yeah. You're a science. You're made right. of science. And it's the same thing with the like rust. Do you think of it as like wasting away when actually it's just oxidizing and growing making it too. growing? Yeah. Um, it's still going to be losing a, a tiny amount. 
of the actual metal. Sure. I mean, like it, it eventually degrades and falls away, but like the rusting of it itself, it, it is a process of is adding. Bigger. Yeah. Um, where can our listeners find out more about you and everything you're doing? Uh, at John Ozelay on all social media. I'm on Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm John Ozelay. I'm pretty easily, easily Googleable. <laughs> I like, have a pretty that, that unique name. name. Like yeah. J-O-N-O is how you spell it. But even then, like if you go Jono and then comedy, I think there's only like one other Jono in the comedy biz. And I think you're definitely the only Zalay that I'm aware of. Yeah, Z A L A Y. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, and I and I recommend you do do that. Do As find do we. me. As Check do him we. out. You're f- if you're listening to the show, you're an enthusiast of both comedy and science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is the middle of that Venn diagram. Yeah. Oh, and if you like driver's licenses, if you Google my name, you'll probably oh God, see a I bunch forgot. of driver's license press that I've gotten. We should have talked about that earlier. Good God. How many of those have you done? Uh, like six or so, six or seven. So should, talk, should we talk about this yeah, a yeah, little bit? We've yeah. got a couple of minutes before we close this out. <laughs> Tell the listeners. Yeah, I, I have a, it's a family tradition actually. My, my dad started doing this in the like 60s or 70s, like where he would go in character to the DMV <laughs> And get his driver's license taken that way. Um, <clears throat> so my brother and I adopted this as the same, you know, tactic. And so we've, like, I have one when I was 19 where I have, like, a, a Fu Manchu mustache and a mullet and, like, a, a tank top on. Uh, <laughs> it is, by the way, if I, I got as far as, like, I got two letters into your surname. I got Jono and then... Two letters in before driver's licenses just <laughs> pops up as a Google. What a claim mean? to fame. <laughs> it is both an indictment of my comedy career and society. I hadn't realized. I saw it going around just because you know, we, we have mutual social media <laughs> yeah. coverage. So I, but this got picked up by Mashable, the Daily Mail, Distractify. It got this. I'm big in the UK. Me, me and ketamine. <laughs> the, the cornrows one from, uh, <laughs> from New York. Yeah, that was the last one I did. <laughs> Yeah. So my, my current one is a is a punk. I have two um mohawks. I look like the the lead singer of the prodigy. Yeah. Um <laughs> where it's started. like a, it's both blonde and red and it goes straight up and looks like devil horns and I'm wearing uh many accessories. <laughs> How much did you spend Dog collar. on the hairstyling for that? <sighs> you know, cuz it, it it took like 3 hours and so it was I think it was like 200 bucks. Oh my god. <laughs> you actually went yeah. to a professional. Oh yeah, I I would I asked I threw it out there on on Facebook so like, does anyone do hair in a way that is ridiculous? ridiculous and no one got back to me so i just shelled it out and <laughs> worth it i mean look at all that international press it's really great <laughs> we will link to that as well i don't think i'd seen the um spiked copish looking one before either. oh yeah years uh, that was that was the massachusetts townie oh, okay <laughs> yeah i'm a cornrows a mullet Massachusetts mass hole. I'm an emo <laughs> hipster guy. One one of them. You've gone through a lot of driving licenses over yeah. the years as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got my wallet stolen once or twice, and I didn't get a new one. And then my passport as well was in there. That's when I was evil, evil Jono. <laughs> so yeah, listeners, uh, give that a quick Google. It'll auto complete. You'll love it. Check those out. Yes. You can find us at Probably Science and individually at Andy T Wood and at Matt Kirshen. You can find us on ProbablyScience.com where we link to all the stories. Uh, where the donation button is there we'll thank our donors next week we didn't have time for that this week but thank you very much donors also people who spread the word by tweeting facebooking writing nice things about us on itunes giving us uh, ratings nice five-star ratings and reviews that really helps people find our show uh you can send us stories you can tweet at us with stories or facebook us or you can email them probably science at gmail.com so thank you for everyone who sent us stories 
Thank you so much for joining us, Jono, as well. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks. It was uh, a pleasure. Listeners, yeah. see you next week. See you next week.